0: Hey there, it's Bailey Hancock, career happiness strategist, creator of The One Year Career, and your host of The Bailey Hancock Show, a podcast that helps people figure out how to make big career moves with small steps. Navigating your career doesn't have to suck. I'm here to help you learn to love the process. Hey guys, Bailey Hancock here. So we have another one of my goal group members and friends on today, and I'm insanely excited to talk to her. Emily McDonald is here. She is the founder and CEO of The Stylist LA, and we're going to get to hear about her whole freaking journey, start to finish, and end it with some really fantastic lessons learned and best practices and tips on how to run a business, because shit ain't easy, you guys. (laughs) No, it's (laughs) definitely not.
1: (laughs) So, Em, welcome to the party. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here, share some wisdom, see if I can help some other people out. Heck yeah. So start us at the beginning. What did little Emily want to be when she grew up? So, okay. So it started with wanting to be an interior designer, which is funny. Um, I think just because I knew I wanted to do something somewhat creative. How did you know that was a job? I like think I... so what I would do, which is funny. So this segues into a, into entrepreneurship because I actually knew from a really young age, I wanted to do that, but mm. I was just really creative as like a little kid. So what I would do is tear things out of magazines and create my perfect room. Oh my gosh. So like I would tear like, like this couch, like whatever. And I think my mom was like, that's a job, but I was always, so this is really funny, random side note. I was always really interested in careers. So, you know, those commercials that are like, you can go to tech school and you can do <laughs> yes. these things. Like, and I would like literally be little and be like, what's the job on there? Is, is the job I want on there? But, um, so I started with interiors, just like making like fake rooms, whatever. And I think my mom told me it was a job. And then I knew as soon as I it was interested in fashion, I wanted at my own store. So that was something I was like, even at like 13, like I think for Christmas, I got like the entrepreneur book, like how to open your own clothing store. So oh my gosh. I know, I so know your parents
0: not- were obviously very supportive of, all of these different things.
1: Very supportive. And I come from a family of all lawyers. So I think like it was maybe a little hard for my dad at first, but my mom was like, whatever, girl. Like they're very, I mean, I grew up with a family of five siblings or five kids in Oklahoma and we all went to school on the coast. Like my parents are very like, do your thing, like go. Like we support everything you want to do. So very happy awesome. in that regard. Yeah.
0: Very cool. So at 13, you wanted to have your own store. What was your favorite clothing store? Did you have like a model you wanted to go after?
1: Oh yes. So this is funny. So there's this store in Dallas that still exists. Okay. So back up really fast. Grew up in Oklahoma. And so there wasn't really that much shopping in Tulsa. So I would like work in the summer and then my mom would take us shopping in Dallas. So there was this store in Dallas called Tootsies and it still exists. And it's like super old school. And we would go there to get like our winter formal homecoming dresses, et cetera. And they had a bar in it, which I thought was the coolest thing ever. That is cool. And so that kind of started my idea, which was my first business plan, which was the idea of like a store where it was like West Coast style meets like Southern, hosp- or it was Southern hospitality meets West Coast style, which I think is, funny. That is uh, funny. But yeah, so I like really was into stores like that. So like high-end boutiques and I was very interested in them. And I literally like kept a notebook of like all my favorite stores when I was little and like got to know store on origin Tulsa, as like boutiques were popping up, et cetera. So yeah. So I'm one of those like weird ones that knew that that was the path I wanted to take, um, which is interesting.
0: Yeah. Well, it's funny. I think a lot of, I've been thinking a lot about this because you hear the question, like, what did you want to be when you grew up? And a lot of us just brush it off because we're like, well, sure. Like, but what do kids know? They can't possibly know what they'd actually want to be. And I think it's less about the job title and more about the feeling of that job. And like for you as a little kid, even starting with interior design and then wanting to have a store, I feel like the image of that in your mind was probably like, not only the experience of being in that store or that place, but like getting to create um, the layout of it and the design of it and the whole piece. So yeah, maybe you didn't want to necessarily be an actual interior designer, but you knew that you liked creating and making things beautiful and giving people a good time.
1: (laughs) Totally. And then after, which this is funny, after the layout of the interior design, like I would do the rooms, then I kept a notebook that was like all my favorite outfits So I go like in style, they used to do like what everyone wore the golden globes and I'd like put them out. And then I would try and memorize the designers so I could like go back and go, what designer was this? So like, I don't know, I don't know why I did that, but like, I think that kind of stuff just always appealed to me. Are we talking
0: like teenage years?
1: Yeah. These were teenage years. They were like, probably I would say like 13 and middle school. I definitely started that middle school. So I would say like 12 or 13, probably to like 16
0: so you were like, you were already on this game. You were trying yeah. to like become an expert in the fashion space with dresses and designers and things like that, like long before you even knew.
1: Yeah, definitely. But I didn't, it's so funny because back then, like being an expert wasn't a thing, right? So I right. was like, I'm going to be an expert. It was like, I'm just interested. I should know this. Like, what if someone asks me what my favorite designer or blah, blah, blah is? you know, and that was also back when designers were so much more like fast fashion wasn't as big of a thing. So that was right. also like so much more important. Like now I'm like, okay, I shop for the most part at like H&M or like whatever. Yeah. But back then it was like such a big thing and it was also so glitzy to me. So.
0: Do you remember who your favorite designer was back then?
1: You know, I don't, it was like around the time when like Gwyneth Paltrow wore the Calvin Klein two piece. So like Calvin Klein, like things like that. But like, I don't know if I really had a favorite, but I will tell you a really fast, funny story. My freshman year at USC, I got to go to the Emmys and sit in the bleachers outside. What? And I was in the background of the in-style pictures. No, you weren't. Where on my life, like my little head, it'd be like famous people, famous people. I'm like, my little head, like literally like a, like, this big. <laughs> like a penny size. And I was like, oh my God, I've made it. I'm in the background of the in style picture. That,
0: that had to be a pretty solid, cool moment for like, little Emily to be like, I mean, technically I made it in <laughs> these background pictures. Just so funny. So we'll then home, Oklahoma. Yeah. And so then as it came time to pick a college, did you go to school for that? Did you
1: specifically choose USC for fashion? Yes. Well, no, I chose it for entrepreneurship. So mm. I actually looked it. so I went to USC and then I did a graduate degree at FITM and I actually looked at FITM when I was in high school and my parents were very adamant about me not going straight to FITM, which I'm really thankful for. And I advise people to do the same. Um, I think for me, at least, I mean, it's different for everyone, but for me, at least having the normal four-year college experience and getting a business degree is extremely important. So I'm very happy yeah. that my parents pushed that but i actually visited FITM when i was in, in high school. school and um i decided not to do that yet but then i went to usc mostly because of the entrepreneurship program so they have one of the top entrepreneurship programs in the country
0: and so at this point what are you thinking you're going to do after college open a store so just
1: were you just thinking a boutique a boutique yeah like didn't really i mean and i and the thing is i was open to other things as well like i in college i interned in fashion pr etc so like I wasn't like, like you'll even hear once I get further in my story, I didn't start the company immediately. So like, it was just always in the back of my mind and I was so interested in entrepreneurship. So like, I just knew that that was where my passion lied. And like, I looked at UCLA, for example, and like their business school was so big and they didn't have an entrepreneurship program. And like, I just was, I I don't know. I just, I felt like USC's entrepreneurship program and their business school was like such a good fit for me, which it really was. Um, I'm very thankful to the entrepreneurship program there because I think it helped me like really like open my mind to see other potential, you know, potential business opportunities, etc., And like that kind of thing. So you're graduating undergrad. What happens next? Did you go straight to FITM or did you take a little break? I did go straight to FITM. So I went straight into a FITM year long program and it was a quarter system. So like you started in July and you ended in June and I did product development, which was really cool. It was everything from like the conception of an idea. So like the creative, like, like how, how do you get inspired? How do you, you know, how do you come up with a concept for a piece of clothing to how do you create a sample? Then how do you fit that sample? sample. Then How do you have it made at scale? And then how do you sell it to the consumer? Oh, so wow. Was, so
0: where's the whole thing? Were you considering at this point starting your own line potentially, or you just wanted to be educated in it?
1: I was considering starting my own line, considering doing design. I was really open. Like I wanted to be educated in the whole process. And, Basically, there were two different options for degrees at FITM that fit what I was going to do. And it was either product development or merchandise marketing, but merchandise marketing covered a lot of things that I had already covered at USC. And so I just didn't, I was like, if I'm paying to go here and paying to do a graduate program, like I want to do product development that teaches me all these other things as well. So it wasn't, it wasn't like I'm going to have my own line. It was just like, I might as well learn as much as I possibly can while I'm here.
0: Yeah, no, that's super smart. And I realized for those of you that don't know what FITM is, <laughs> what does it stand for?
1: <laughs> Sorry. It's the Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising. Um, and I went to the campus in LA. Gotcha. Okay. So you graduate from FITM. You've got all of this amazing knowledge. What happens next? Okay. So the funny thing, which I feel like this is so annoying of me, but it was so me is I was like, I'm not going to work at BCBG. Like I literally said this to my parents. <laughs> everyone from FITM, like, went to work at BCBG. And I was like, I don't want to take any old job. Like I really want to find what I want to do. So I took some time to really find the best job. And what I did in the meantime was I started tutoring on the side. I freelanced for a designer and then I worked at a clothing store. So I did that for a few months while I like really was like finding the right job. I just didn't want to jump directly into like, and like be a cog in the machine at BCBG type thing. Not, no offense to BCBG, but it was, that's just an example of like a big company that them fed into and sure. I didn't want to get lost in it. So I did that for a bit, which is important because that all comes back up a little later down the line. Um, I had all these little like side jobs, mostly in fashion, but did tutoring because it paid really well. And I was going to say,
0: I want to know like, you know, because obviously I think most people when they graduate college they've got all of these potential roads they could go down yeah. and you knew which is great that you didn't want to go work for a company and get stuck there even though you know you're never stuck anywhere but it's easy right. to get caught up and feel right. like you need to stay for 3 to right. 5 years um so what were all those little mini like side things you did to kind of get closer and closer to figuring out what you'd want to do
1: so i freelance for a designer i was her assistant and she was a high-end cocktail dress designer oh yeah so that was really cool and i got to like do a lot of her production, which was in downtown LA. I got you to go to trade shows with her. Like we went to we went to Vegas, we went to New York City, et cetera. So that was really cool too because I was helping her sell I was helping on all sides, all fronts. So I helped with production, which is super cool because you're like getting the stuff made and she produced in LA. And then I also was helping with sales, which meant I was interacting with all of the small boutiques across the country. Oh my gosh. So, so kind that, of
0: like your dream in a way. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Totally. And so then the other thing I did was I worked for a small boutique. So there's this woman in Manhattan beach. She owns a store catwalk. She's still a really great friend of mine. And I worked for her and I just wanted to see like the ins and outs of running a store. Cause like I worked at Banana Republic. So my first job ever was at Banana Republic when I was 16. Did you make any
0: money or did you spend all your money there?
1: (laughs) I made money and I was, this is just a funny, like Emily fun fact. I was the top seller there like so many months in a row and I was part time. So I was like beating all these like full-time people in sales. (laughs) because I was like, just, I was like loving it. It was like, you were gung ho. I was gung ho. I mean, you're a gung ho kind of gal. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I was like super, super into it. So that was fun. But so I did been in public. So I got like the very corporate store experience. So I wanted experience working in a small boutique. So that's why I chose those two paths. And I was still looking for a full-time job, obviously. So I got a full-time job in the fall of 2008 doing, I was the assistant to the COO and dealing a lot with production Mm. at this company called Yaya Aflalo, which a lot of people might not know now, but actually the owner of Yaya Aflalo started Reformation. Oh, wow. So Yaya was her previous brand. So it was a high-end brand. They actually had three different lines. I think they had four different lines within the brand and they were sold at stores like Barney's, Bergdorf Goodman, Nordstrom, Bloomingdale's, and the small boutiques across the country. Mm. So it was like my dream job. I got a clothing allowance. Um, It's funny looking back that it was my dream job, but it really was. Like I was so excited. I wasn't ready to launch the, you know, launch an entrepreneurial endeavor at the time. Because you're still what, like 22-ish? 22. Yes, 22. Yeah. So I just wasn't ready and like, oh, well, we kind of, we bypassed a little bit, but let me tell you really fast. So when I was at USC, we had to do um, a feasibility analysis on our business idea and then we had to do a business plan. So I did the feasibility analysis on my store, which the name was Emmy, which is so embarrassing. It's hilarious, but um, i was like super excited about it. And I just realized there were so many stores popping up, like the boutique, the boutique bubble was there. So there were so many boutiques, so many people doing the same thing. And I also was like, this is so expensive to start. Mm. And where would I even do this? There are so many stores in LA. So I was looking for other concepts that interested me. And at the same time, I was interning at a fashion PR firm and I saw how celebrities basically checked out clothes for each event. So like their stylist would come in, they would pull stuff for them. Then they would bring it, the celebrity would wear it and they bring it back the next week.
0: Yeah. Which I never knew until living in LA. I assumed they just owned all of these amazing dresses.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I really understood it either, but it was like fascinating to me because we were also allowed to take like off season stuff and for and bring it, like take it out and wear it and bring it back. So I was like, this is amazing. Like so great. I can like take the shirt home, wear it this weekend, like to go out and then bring it back. So, which
0: is basically what we all treated forever 21 and H and M as, except instead of bringing it back, it would end up getting thrown away. away
1: Totally. Totally. So, um, yeah, so that was when I came up with the concept of clothing rental company. So I was in a sorority at USC. We had events all the time. I saw how often girls needed dresses. This ages me a little bit, but it was at the same time as Facebook photos launched. So like even though everyone was borrowing each other's dresses it was like i always say this cuz it's a true story that that really like rings true to what i'm doing is lindsay my one of my best friends lindsay had this pink dress right it's so like everyone wore lindsay's pink dress and like no one wanted to wear it once facebook photos were around even though you were even though it wasn't yours cuz you're like so and so wore lindsay's pink dress last weekend like i don't want to be in a photo in lindsay's pink dress this weekend it's so, so true. It's so yeah. sad, but it's so true. It's. I mean, it's just It's just the way, the way that it female. Is. Yeah, just the way it is. So that was when I came up with the concept for clothing rentals. So I wrote a business plan on at USC, decided not to do it right away. I went to FITM, did the part-time jobs, got the full-time jobs. So just to catch you up. So I had that concept in the back of my mind. Um, I just hadn't, you know, I hadn't actually made, had made plans to launch it.
0: Gotcha. So while you're doing all of these, I mean, it's fascinating. Like, did you have any free time during this phase of your life? Because I feel like you're talking internship, you've got part time gigs, you're doing all of these things, which is amazing. And it shows your hustle like crazy.
1: Yeah. I mean, I did. It's also, you have to realize it's 22, right? So, like, right out of college, me and my friends are like going out on the weekends. So, yes, I definitely had free time. I like made it all made it all work. The other thing is like, I've always, that's just the way I work best is being Damn. like very, like have a, too much on my plate, like <laughs> have to carve out more time. And I feel like, you know, it was, it, it was a good time. It was really fun. It was like, I was always, I was never bored because I was yeah. always doing something different. So that was really cool. Um, and then I started at Yaya, which was awesome. It was my first like real job and it and was your really, role there. So I, that was, I was the assistant to the COO. And she did mainly production. So it was like production and then like over, like obviously like overseeing sales, so like making sure sales were where they're supposed to be and making sure we could fulfill everything. So what I didn't know at the time was Yaya had just downsized. So Yaya had moved from this like big space on the bread. They had like 200 employees. It was like this awesome space to this warehouse in Vernon, which is where I interviewed. So we, I worked out of the warehouse in Vernon, which was such a good experience down the street from BCBG.
0: Yeah. I was going to say, I have a good friend that worked at BCBG and yeah. he always talks about Vernon.
1: I mean, Vernon's like,
0: yeah.
1: yeah, like literally like you couldn't stay. It's so, like, there was a guy who ran the warehouse and like, you couldn't, you couldn't work late because you couldn't be there by yourself. Like he'd be like closing up the warehouse at 6 PM. Like, if you yeah, for, work- for
0: those of you not familiar with LA area, Vernon's kind of uh, it's where all the fashion companies are, but it's also shady as hell.
1: Yeah. <laughs> So like literally there's nowhere to eat there except for an In-N-Out and a Starbucks. Like you had to bring your lunch every day or you're eating it. And then there was like a random popsicle stand. <laughs> so when it was like super hot in the summer, like everyone would go get popsicles. Oh, so um, the most interesting part of the of my story though, I think is that I was at Yaya and this is the turn of 2009, right? So like everything was changing in you know, the economy and the retail space, et cetera. So I learned a lot and like saw a lot of really interesting things happen. So. One thing that was fascinating to me is we had produced this like special order for Saks, right? So like we produced this dress, we had we had sold it to other brands in like white and blue stripes, and we made it for Saks in red. And Saks had ordered thousands and thousands and thousands of units. So this is almost when Saks when Saks almost went out of business. So they canceled that order. So I don't think that I'm sure that that wasn't the catalyst for what happened, but it was just what I remember as being such an important part. And this was mm-hmm. also when boutiques were closing left and right. So like things were in distress and I I probably didn't really fully realize it, but um you know me and my boss were literally like calling stores to like get credit card numbers to be able to ship orders and stores were stores were just going out of business left and right. Oh my right. god. So, long story short, um the company ended up going out of business and my boss told me, you know, we're closing down shop, but we really need your help like getting rid of this inventory like Getting rid of the furniture, like helping like really get this whole thing like liquidate the whole business. Totally. So she was like, we can't pay you anymore, but (laughs) we can pay you in clothes and we'll give you commission on anything you could sell. So that was really great because I mean not great, obviously it couldn't pay me, but it was great because I ended up going back to those part-time jobs. So that's where that comes into play. I ended up going back to working in the store and back to freelancing for the designer. And, um, I started helping Yaya liquidate. So I would sell stuff to TJ Maxx. I hosted like huge sample sales at my house. I took stuff to Buffalo exchange, like literally anything like the
0: best experience ever.
1: Yeah, totally. And they were paying me commission on it. So that was great. So then I was sitting there without a full-time job in the fashion industry. Every job I was interested in now was being morphed like four jobs into one for a pay of like 30 K like It was just, the fashion industry was really in like a sad place. So I went on interviews and nothing, like everything I was like, oh my God, like literally like filled with dread. Like I was like, I don't want to do, I don't want to be in a warehouse, literally working four jobs, you know? So it was just, it was a good time for me to like really think about what I wanted to do. At the same time, I was being paid in designer dresses. So, (laughs) um, So I ended up one of my very best friends, Annie, who was in college, who went to college with me as well she was like, we were roommates at the time. She was like, why don't you just start that rental company? Like, why not just start it on the side and like, see if people like it. And like, why not? Like you have all these dresses and same, like good thing to remember is I was interning or I was assisting that designer who did high-end cocktail dresses. Mm -hmm. So there was another way to access cocktail dresses. Also, I still had like five, at least five friends that worked at BCBG and I could go to their outlet store. Right. So I, so I ended up using the money I made to liquidate the Yaya stuff to invest in initial inventory for the Style Soleil. And I started it out of my living room with one rolling rack that Yaya gave me because they had rolling racks they needed to get rid of. And, <laughs> and a mannequin and a mannequin that Yaya gave me because, oh they, gosh. like, what were they doing with the mannequin? And um, I ended up starting it as a side project out of my living room while working those other part time jobs.
0: Amazing. It sounds like, you know, I mean, 2008-2009 was kind of a crazy time for those of us that were recently graduated from college. Mm -hmm. I graduated in 07, so I feel ya. Um, And, like, for those of you younger than that that were still not out of school, let me tell you, you're pretty lucky. And those of you older, I don't know, you kind of got screwed, too. But at least (laughs) you have got a chance to see what a normal, like, economy and working world felt like before it all went to crap. But it sounds like that all happening simultaneously really is what kicked you in the butt to start this right off the bat instead of maybe waiting a few more years and waiting yeah. the perfect time. There is no perfect
1: time. Definitely. And one thing that I, I do think of as a benefit, but it is an interesting part of my story is that I never got comfortable in a corporate job. Me neither. So like, Like I never like a lot of people worked in a corporate job for a certain amount of time and had savings and also Which is obviously a pro but also the con of they were comfortable Mm -hmm. Like I didn't have that so which I do look at as a blessing Like I was only at yaya for like six to eight months So I wasn't it wasn't like, oh, like i've got this like awesome paycheck I can't give it up to go become an entrepreneur. Like I was like what you know What am I going to do now?
0: You didn't have as many hurdles to jump as if you were in that for a few years and you had to leave that comfort. It's like, yeah, neither of us ever really knew comfort. So leaving for something potentially less uncomfortable was not as big of a deal.
1: Well, totally. And you're like, I'm not making tons of money anyway. Like you weren't far (laughs) enough in your career. So you're like, I mean, I'll make more money doing my part-time stuff and like trying to start this. So it's true. So how did you get your first customers? So they were all my friends. So I also did all the buying with my friends in mind. So I would be like, who? Okay. So let's bring back Lindsay. Cause she's still one of my best friends. Lindsay with the pink dress. Okay. I would be like, Lindsay is this body type. And she likes to wear this kind of style and she's this size. So Back then I was buying I wasn't buying full size rents. So I would literally go to BCBG warehouse and be like, I'm gonna take this in an extra small and this in a large because I didn't have enough money or like buying power to buy full size. So it was like rents.
0: each dress came in one size. <laughs>
1: yeah. So I'd be like, Lindsay will wear this to this event and Kim will wear this to this event. And, you know, I would I would go through my buying that way. And so my friends were definitely my first customers and actually, I love this. My very first customer is a friend of mine named Courtney, and she is now, she was one of the first members of our newly launched Style Squad subscription service. So she's still a customer today. That's amazing. It's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. But they have
0: done it. you've done a decent job, I take it, of keeping (laughs) your customers happy over the years. Yeah.
1: I mean, I like to think so. I think, you know, that's something, that's another thing, but as you get bigger and I've really realized in the last few years, you can't make everyone happy. So that's, that's another part of that. But yes, I mean, there are my biggest, my i'm so passionate about making our customers happy and really providing a good experience so that's a great i mean that's a huge accomplishment for me that our customers that have been with us since day one are still with us today
0: yeah i mean that says a whole lot because i think most people when they start something whether it's a actual you know product based business or a service based business or a consulting business your first customers are people you know pretty oh, much totally. always or and yeah. if they're not people you know they're like the husband or wife or yep. brother or sister of somebody you know that's like, please just buy from this person. You're gonna yeah. love it, I promise. Yeah, totally. But so there is that like initial sense of, okay, well, are other people who don't care about making me happy gonna be interested too? So when did you go from the friends and family round of customers to like your first stranger renting from you?
1: I think like strangers found us online pretty quickly. So I put together a really simple website that but I paid I a guy friends. Four hundred dollars to to do, and the pictures. By the way, I should like seriously just show them to you because you'll laugh. They're on that mannequin. They're like <laughs> hilarious. I mean, this is when whole Look was still doing pictures on the mannequin, though. So, so just you know, not it too, was too with hard. the times. It was with the times. Not <laughs> to be too hard on myself, but like it was a hilarious website. So people found us online. I mean, it was it was before the time. Like I launched before Rent the Runway launched to the public. So I mean, they were obviously working on their project at the same time, but people were really interested in the idea. So. People found me online, and I will say though, the, for the majority, like even now, we grow so much by word of mouth. So, a lot of our customers still are like people that know us through people that know us through people that know us. They're Which, like the our way, five degrees. Like, let's talk about
0: that because I think whether it's starting a business or trying to get a new job, your network is everything.
1: Yes. Yes. I think that's actually one of the things I would say to anyone in college right now. I think that is the absolute most important that and try and learn everything anytime you can, but all the um, things, learn all the things, even if you don't think that you're going to need it, you, it will probably come in handy at some point. Totally. Well, one thing, one issue I've seen with, um, with some of the like college students today, and I love them. Like we have interns, we have part-time girls that are in college and I'm, I like love, I mean, that generation is my part of my customer base. I love them, but one thing I've seen that really like kind of breaks my heart is they're not as interested in, not all of them, but some of them are not as interested in like leaving a good impression or continuing the relationship. So we've had interns who've like mm-hmm. stopped showing up at work or who quit out of the blue or who it's too much for them and they can't like, they have school and they have their internship and it's too much. So they just like either stop showing up or as I said, quit, which to me, like again, breaks my heart. Cause I'm like, just talk to people, tell them at yeah. the time and leave on a good note and like really like, you know, really place importance on this relationship with me and this company and with like your bosses who are the girls that work for the style. Well,
0: also then if you don't, you've literally wasted your time.
1: You can't, you You can't can't
0: use that. And not like I have bridges that I would have loved to explode burn, but just literally light on fire explode that I haven't because you just don't know who that person, like you don't know. You just don't know you guys don't underestimate. Leaving a good impression, even if you realize it's not the right thing for you, do it the right way, do it the mature way. Because this world is small. It might
1: feel big, but it's not. It's a tiny world. Everybody's one, connected. That's the thing that like breaks my heart about it. I'm like, so even if you decide you don't want to even want to do fashion, like, still maintain that relationship yeah. because you don't know who I know that could right. help you get your next job. So that's one of the thing I tell the one of the things I tell the girls all the time. I'm like. Look at the big picture. Don't look at the don't look at this short. Like I need to get my schoolwork done and see my friends. And like obviously, schoolwork is very important. But like, I feel like a lot of times they lose sight of the big picture of your career, which is that everything you do is a step towards what you'll be doing. So don't, like you said, don't blow up the bridge or you know burn bridges because it's all a step to get you to where you should be. And all of those people are willing and wanting to help you as long as you leave a good impression.
0: Yeah. People will help you. You just have to make them want to, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like totally. It's less making them want to, it's more, don't give them a reason not to.
1: Totally. And I think that's one thing that's really important for people in college today too, is we're in the time of everyone helping everyone. And I feel like it's more that way now than it's ever been. So like everyone really genuinely wants to help. So I think like, as long as you make good connections, you, you know, you do your work, you leave a good impression, like you're going to have people along the way that are rooting for you that are willing to help you in whatever way they can.
0: Yeah. And even if it's a silly job, like I've had a lot of jobs that do not directly tie into what I'm doing today. But you have no idea down the road when those people are going to come back in. Like I've had a lot of restaurant jobs and it's very easy in a restaurant job to think, well, this is not going to affect my career. None of this matters. This is just to make a paycheck. But guess what? Most people that work at that restaurant with you are going to go on to do other things in other industries. And I have a lot of friends that I made during my restaurant years that are now doing totally different things. And like we can work together in a professional capacity again, and they will, and they're excited to, because I was a good coworker or I was a good employee or I helped on the team. You know, it's those things never really die. So don't forget that.
1: Totally. And I think it's true with your classmates, right? Like they said, oh, that to us. they said that to us at USC in the entrepreneurship program, like befriend your classmates, like be nice to everyone, get to know them. You don't know what they're going to be doing. And obviously like, you're not doing it solely for a selfish reason, but like, you just don't know what people are going to be doing and how they can help you and how you can help each other. Absolutely. And your alumni
0: network too, like regardless of what it is that you think you're going to go on to do, and this is something that comes up a lot in networking and how to make a good, genuine connection right off the bat People just like to feel like you're connected somehow. So even if in your classroom you didn't ever work on a group project with, you know, John in particular. But like if you if you went about your work and you were a genuinely friendly person and a nice person to him, even if you didn't work together, like down the road you might realize, oh shit, John works at the company I'm trying to get a job at. I can reach out and be like, hey John, I don't think we ever officially met, but like we both went to this school and da-da-da-da-da. And Sometimes that's all it takes for you to make it slightly ahead of somebody else that you're up against. So moral of this story, like relationship karma is real. Yeah. Your network, like the valuable gym that it is and be a good part of it. Don't always take either, always contribute and give back as much as you can to those that need it from you. So sorry, we went off on a tangent there, but I felt like that was a really important point. And it's so important from a business perspective, that is how you grow your customer base. And then your customers ultimately become part of your network and then continue to spread the word from there.
1: Totally. And then as you grow a company, whether you're fundraising or hiring or expanding, like you use that network even more. So I just, I can't stress that enough. I think that's extremely important. And just to treat everyone kindly, because like you're talking about, you know, so-and-so that you knew in your class, it's like, they might know someone that knew, like if they don't remember you, they're like, Hey, do you remember Bailey from blah, blah, blah? And they're like, yeah, "Yeah, she was awesome. She's super nice. Like positive attitude, that kind of thing.
0: So you just never know. Just moral of the story for this: yeah. be a good person. How about that? Yeah, yeah, that's um, a good one. I'm mean, no, The title of this, this episode. <laughs> just be a good person. Don't be an asshole. Um, and so before we get too far down into like the next stages, I realized we didn't really fully explain what the Stylist LA is. Oh, yes.
1: What do we so got the, stylo- here? the Stylist LA, the women's contemporary clothing rental company. So you can rent tops, bottoms, two pieces, dresses, etc. We have two showrooms, one in LA and one in San Francisco, so you can come in rent in person. And we also ship nationwide. So, and girls, guys, can- it is a game changer.
0: Oh. I've been I've been a customer for what, um, maybe a year and a half, almost two years, something like that. Yeah. But it, like for women that are going to a million and one weddings, I had eight or seven or eight weddings last year, and I think I rented for at least six of them. And every time I rent a stylist LA dress versus buying one of my own, I always get compliments. <laughs> and I'm like, man, this just goes to show I do not know how to buy
1: clothes, but like I can rent clothes like a mother, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so well, it's that's amazing. That's the best. That is the best thing you can say about it because that's, that makes me the happiest because that's so important to us. Right. And like, I, there's something to be said, like when people rent from us, they feel so good in what they're wearing. So that's also another part of it. Right. Like you go out there, you feel like a million bucks, you feel like you look like a million bucks and then everyone's complimenting you because you're more confident, what you're wearing yeah. is awesome and you feel good about it rather than being like, oh, should I have worn this? Is it too tight? Like, how do I feel? You also have like the stylist, LA stylist in the showroom. Bailey, you go in the showroom. So just close. I here. love the showroom because literally <laughs> it's like
0: having all your hype girls there with you to be like, and like, they are so good at their jobs because you'll put something on and you're like, I don't know. And you'll walk out They'll be like, girl, yes. So good. Dead, love it, can't, da da da. And they're just like saying all this stuff, and you're like, I do look good. Okay, like, I am gonna rent this dress. But they won't steer you wrong either. Like, if you're wearing something and you're like, I don't know, and they're like, yeah, no, not for you, next. And so it's awesome. You actually get real advice and and good feedback, and like every time I go into the store, there's different outfits to try on and different dresses from designers that like I would never pay full price for, but I will happily rent for a fraction of that cost. Because how often do you end up wearing the same dress more than once? Yeah. Especially if it's like a really cool dress that's memorable, you're not gonna wear it more than a couple times because people are gonna remember you in it. And for some reason, we care about that. But yeah. It's, well, yeah.
1: And also another thing that's become big for me is like now I'm splitting my time between San Francisco and LA, and I have very little closet space. So I'm like, I just don't want that much stuff. Like yeah. I don't, like, I just don't, I want to pop in, take a dress for a wedding or a few outfits when I'm going to a wedding and then send them back. Yeah. And it's great. Like,
0: I haven't done this cause I live right near the store, but you could literally like bring the return envelope with you to the wedding, stick it in the envelope at the hotel before you even fly home and it's already done. So yeah. And then you don't even have to worry about yeah, high enough packing it's it back. Exactly, so definitely check it out. We're definitely gonna link in the show notes, so be sure to take a look at that, all my ladies out there. And it is way more affordable than you think it's going to be. So that's something I wanna talk to you about too, is pricing, because people that have their own businesses and people that are asking for money for a service, pricing it is always the hardest part. So for you, how did you come to the decision for what you price each dress, and as a business owner, knowing like what you had to charge minimum to keep the
1: business open? So that's actually a really interesting question. Cause I'm thinking about this a lot now. My, um, bo- I was going to say boyfriend, but now fiance has hey. a, <laughs> has a quote. He says, he's like, every idiot can lower the price.
0: Ooh.
1: So I think there's a second part to that too, but that I don't. That that's all about, we need to remember. <laughs> but yeah, every idiot can lower the price. And so, um, I think that that's something important to remember. And like, I've been talking a lot about pricing lately because something that's important to keep in mind as a business owner, but also as a consumer is for us, like we price, like basically I start, I'll start with how I started it. And then I'll tell you what we're dealing with now. But I started it originally, actually, everything was a 30 or $50 rental. And then there was like a cleaning fee on top, which was just Ah. too confusing. So then I started like 40, 60, $75 levels and things would end up on a level based on how delicate they were, Mm. how, um, you know, how, what the retail price was, how many times they could be rented, et cetera. And so we still do that and brand name, et cetera. But I think something to keep in mind is like for us, we offer like a higher touch service, right? So like you come in, we give you all this feedback, we give you all this, you know, all this help finding what you need. And we also have two physical showrooms. So from a business owner perspective, I can't lower the price that much, right? Mm -hmm. Like someone who did e-com only or someone who like literally just like didn't have as much inventory or didn't have as many options, like could potentially offer a lower price, but it's just something like, that's something to keep in mind. So like you obviously have to keep your customers happy and make sure that you're really pricing it fairly, but at the same time you have to realize like what you're offering might not just be your product, if that makes sense. Totally. Um, and so like going into this year, I actually have been talking a lot about strategy behind like really making the customer understand like, what we're offering them beyond just the dress, because I think that's important to remember. Uh, And I think knowing
0: the value proposition as a customer is super important for anchoring what you think you should be willing to pay, not just what you're told you should pay.
1: Yeah, exactly. So I think pricing is an interesting issue. I think it's different. If you're doing a service and it's based on exactly what you're doing, I think it's really difficult because everyone is scared to ask for what they really think they're worth. So I was having
0: this conversation with my husband last night about how awkward it is when your service is you and your time and your knowledge, there's not always like a good standard practice for pricing yourself. And so it can feel very strange to put a price tag on like your time and your, your
1: knowledge. Well, then a thing, one thing I think about that is that you're scared of losing the work. Too, yeah, you are, especially when you start out. So you like underprice yourself cause you're like worried that they're not going to want to pay a higher price and you really want the work. You still gotta but, eat. <laughs> yeah, totally. And so I think it's just, you know, I think it's a balancing act, right? Like I think you could potentially start out a little lower to like also just start learning what it's like and how it works, et cetera. And then see what people think. And then you can always like raise your price as like someone who's who's doing more service service-based work. Mm-hmm. But I think pricing is just difficult. So on that note, I would say read and Sinchero's You're a Badass at making money. It's a great one. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's a good old like financial pep talk. Yeah. So at what point with the business? So you're nine years in which is yeah. so incredible. And congratulations
1: on that. Thank you. Thank you. So at what point did you take it full time? So in 2013, I think it's 2013, 2013 or 2014, um, we opened the LA showroom. So that was, I actually had a teeny tiny office space in downtown LA that I paid $350 a month for wow. before this, but then we opened the LA showroom and then I took it full time. So, um, yeah, so that was, that was the, I think it was thirteen. That's funny. I'm like, so I'm like two to nine.
0: three years in, I mean, yeah, it's always hard with the timelines. No, four
1: around. years in. So I started in oh. 2009. So four years in. So it was very like, it was like, I was doing all these trunk shows too. So I was doing trunk. It was a very much like a side project. But the other thing you have to remember that I forget sometimes is getting customers to rent is really getting them to adapt to a new behavior. So it's mm-hmm. a little bit different than another type of company you might've started. Right. So like it took time. It also Thank God for Rent the Runway. Never thought I'd say that, but they've really normalized, like, because they did such a massive—they have such massive PR and um, PR campaigns. So like, they've really gotten people to understand that renting is a thing that we do. But at the beginning, people were so interested in it, but they were also like, "Huh? Yeah, you know." <laughs> so
0: I think isn't that, that funny? People need like, "Oh, I'm the I'm the Uber of this," or you know, Rent the Runway. I'm like that, except this. Like, people need that comparison for them to wrap their minds around something. So that's actually a really solid benefit of them. Yeah.
1: Oh, totally. I mean, I'm like thankful for them all the time. Right. I think that that's, that's a really cool, a cool part of it, but yeah. So it took me about four years to go full time. It was like, especially that first year, like it was literally like, I would not even really call it a company. I mean, it was, but like, it was like a rack in my living room of like a few dresses here and there. Like it took a little bit to really get in the swing of things. And one thing I was doing that, I guess, going back to your network is I was going back to USC and hosting trunk shows. So I would Mm -hmm. host trunk shows at sororities before their events and they could all pick out, you know, pick out what they wanted to wear to each formal. And that was how we got success at the beginning. But yeah, so then we opened the big LA showroom that exists now in 2013.
0: That's amazing. Wow. So five years of that showroom. Yeah. That's so incredible. And it's in Mar Vista for those of you in LA and it's the cutest showroom and it's just a great place to go. And you've done a really incredible job with all of it. Was there, was there any point during those first four years where it was part-time where you were like, is this, is this a thing? Like, do I, should I keep going with this? Is this enough? Is this ever going to be full-time? Like, did you have those moments?
1: Oh yeah. I mean, I think all the time. I think One thing that I'm very honest about, and I was telling Bailey this in a different conversation is I'm very transparent about what it's like to run a company and be an entrepreneur because I think a lot of people aren't. And I think right now entrepreneurship has all this like glory around it, glowing. Glamorized. Yeah. And it's just, it's different for everyone. It's different for everyone. It's different for every type of business. So specifically for me, having a company that's retail based and has inventory is just, it's a different type of business. So It's really capital intensive to run. Um, It's very stressful. You have payroll. You have, we now have two locations. We have inventory, et cetera. So yes, all the time I thought that. I think that that's a normal part of starting a company is being like, is this going to work? I think anyone that you ask for the most part would be like, yeah, I thought that all the time. But then you have those amazing customers and you have more people coming to you who are like, this is the best idea ever. I'm obsessed. Right. You You have the days
0: where you get a glowing email review and you're like,
1: oh yeah, I'm pretty good at this. I should keep doing it. Yeah. Like an example is a few Saturdays or a Saturday in um, December of 2017, I went into the showroom to work a day because it was super busy. So I was like, I want to go and help out. And we had hundreds of girls in and out of the showroom. It was so busy. People were like glowing reviews, like giving us glowing reviews. They were so excited. And I was like, this, this is why we do it, you know? But so I think you even still nine years in have those moments of like, is this working? I think it's working. Like it seems to be working, but you still don't know. And then you're still reminded by the customers who love you. So I think that's something important. Like you need that customer base that loves you. That's what keeps you going.
0: And so for you, I mean, obviously you love what you do. It's yeah. incredibly clear What do you think about what you're doing in this capacity? What is it
1: that makes you so happy and so fulfilled? That's a great question. So um, the girls who started Guilt Group wrote a book by invitation only that I when I was younger. Um, And it said something in there about how like, every few years what you wanna do in your career shifts and that's okay. So what I find interesting about that is at the beginning of 2017, I made a vow to really work on the business, not in the business. And that was a new phase for me and a phase I was really ready for. And so right now I'm loving like the strategy and, you know, the really like the nuts and bolts of running a business and learning how to do that better. So I still, I mean, still my favorite thing in the world is when a customer finds a perfect dress and she has that aha moment. Like I still am in the showrooms a good amount. And like, I love that, but I think I've changed over time. And like, that wasn't enough for me mentally like it wasn't mentally stimulating enough for me and now that i'm doing you know the real growth side and actually like the side of running the business i'm really enjoying that
0: you know and it's so clear like you guys we are in a goal group together emily and i and three other women four other three other women and it's been so amazing we started this goal group in january of 2017 and so we're a little over a year in and just watching each of their businesses change month to month and with emily she set out last year to start looking into funding for the business to grow it. And it's so incredible to watch week to week. We send a weekly goal email on Mondays and we recap how we did the week prior and to get to see how the goals we set out for ourselves at the beginning of the year, how every month and sometimes week to week they'd slightly shift and slightly change. And then when we did our year in review in November of last year, to see like what our goals were on January 1st to what they had changed into in like really 11 months and how much we had accomplished was miraculous and watching Emily really become this like educated business owner as opposed to just somebody running like a company and doing this project it's been awesome to watch and very inspiring because i think to her point about what's making her happy now When we're still learning and growing, that's when we're usually the happiest. When we're like, oh my gosh, I can do something today that I couldn't do three months ago, or I know so much about this business or this formula I just learned, you know, this is going to make my business so much better. That's really exhilarating. So I challenge you, like whether you run your own business or you work for a company, find ways to keep improving yourself and learning new things, because I guarantee you that even if you don't love your job, you'll find a renewed sense of enjoyment for your position because you'll suddenly like, you're not going to show up and know exactly what's going to happen that day. You're going to have something new to learn and take away. So I think that's very important. Totally.
1: Well, and I think an important note there, I want to say, which is, this is actually what I got from what the women said in the book is that because you're a little like bored with your current position or you're not feeling fully fulfilled doesn't mean that you can't be. So like when I started to feel like I needed more from the business, it didn't mean I was over it. Right. It didn't mean, and like, I think that's something that we all get scared of, right? Like, you're like, oh my God, am I so tired of doing this? And it's like, may, like, maybe you are, maybe you are, but also maybe you just need to start doing something a little bit different. And like, maybe you need more of a challenge or maybe you're in a position that you've grown out of and you need to go to a higher position. But I don't, I think we get worried that like having moments of like being frustrated or bored or whatever means that we need to like completely like have a new career path. And that's not, that's just not the case.
0: I think that's definitely how I thought about careers in my first phase of career was, Oh God, I'm slightly bored. I need to totally switch gears and try something brand new. And it's like, no, I'm sure you can like, Find you know you haven't fully lost that love and feeling for your job. Maybe you just need a little something new to brighten it up and yeah, totally you know,
1: arrange your office a little bit. Who knows? The founder of Stella and Dot said something like, We don't live in a unicorn farm, or this isn't a unicorn farm, like work, <laughs> it, work is still work. And that's something too. That yeah. It's like you're not gonna love every second of every day of your job because it's a job, right? Like even if you're doing exactly what you want to be doing and like Are living out your wildest dreams. You're just not gonna love every second of every day. Like it's just impossible saying that
0: because it's so important. Even if you're insanely passionate about what you do, you're still gonna have to like, you know, do the accounting. You're still gonna have to pay stupid taxes and deal with employees that you know are having a hard time or not doing their job right. And there's always gonna be those, you know, crappy tasks that you wish you could offload. But like if you didn't have some downs with the business or with your career, then you wouldn't appreciate the ups and even the middle parts. Like we often forget to acknowledge like when things are neither great nor horrible, they're just like calm. Yeah. I always try and appreciate the calm when I've got it because I know that that means either something great's probably next or something horrible is probably yeah, next. So totally. while you're in a sense of like comfort, sit back and kind of revel in it a little bit because it's all a cycle. It all goes yeah. up and down.
1: Yeah. So what's next for The Stylist LA? So we're putting together some really big growth plans, which I'm really excited about. Um, I'm not gonna say too much about it, but we're looking, let me just say this, we're trying to figure out a way, or we're figuring out a way to scale the personalization that you get when you come in the showroom. So you get that one-on-one attention and you get to really feel like you're shopping in your best friend's closet and you get that help. And so we are figuring out how to scale that best and you know really utilizing technology also to offer a more efficient and simple process i think is really important and i think no matter what sector of retail you're in that's important these days too so those are really what i'm focused on and honestly like i this year i'm really focused on running like the best business i possibly can so as a leader as a ceo um making the company you know as efficient and just running as well as it possibly can so So there's some good, exciting things in store that I've been working really hard on. Um, I think, as you know, Bailey, I also started doing some small business consulting on the side, which really, like, I did it for a few reasons. Like, one, I've learned so much over the last nine years, and there's so many mistakes I've made. And, you know, I don't think of mistakes as a bad thing, because I think they've gotten us to where we are today, but there's so much I have to offer as far as information of running a business or getting ahead in your career. and. That just really is filling like a void for me too of being able to help other like female entrepreneurs or females who are thinking about starting their own company really like take it to the next level.
0: Yeah, I'm so excited for that because she has so much great advice and we will absolutely link to all of this in the show notes. So just go poke around, check Emily out, check out The Stylist LA. I'm beyond honored to get to have a front row seat for watching you grow this business and you just grow as a person. And I'm so thankful for you as a goal group member and a friend. So thank Thank you. you so much. Thank
1: you so much for having me, everyone.